2024 is the year of podcasts, and we want to let you know about a brand new show that is live right now. Join with me to share the good news about the Worthy of Everything podcast. It's just one of the two hosts, Jaja Lasso. Jaja, you've been working on this podcast in the background. Our team has been very excited as we've been preparing for its launch. How does it feel to know that the episodes finally are out there and we're moving forward every single week? It is so exciting and I am just excited to see where God takes it and I have so much hope that it is going to be an incredible blessing to the listeners. Amen, amen. But as I understand it, this is a show tackling the issues of mental health through the lens of the gospel. Can you share just a little bit more about the heart and the intent and who you're really trying to serve through the Worthy of Everything podcast? So I personally was freed from depression and as I've come to understand my freedom from sin and identity in Christ, I start to recognize all these amazing gifts that God has given us. So yeah, just exploring and hearing awesome testimonies about how to walk out true intimacy with a loving father who pursues his kids. Oh man, sounds like a good time. If you want to check out the show, lovereality.org slash podcasts and look for the Worthy of Everything show. Are we starting the podcast now? Or? Oh, we've been on the podcast, my brother. <laughs> Welcome to the Death of Life podcast. My name is Richard Young, and these stories are just people going from death to life when they understand how much Jesus loves them. And uh, before we get into today's podcast, uh what I would like to tell you is all the different places that you can get this fire gospel content. Uh, if you have not been to lovereality.org and gone through wave one, that that's where I would start. I would go to lovereality.org and watch wave one. Uh, we have uh, a lot of stuff on there that's really good keep an eye on that website. Some stuff's going to be changing about it. Keep your eyes peeled. We have a Facebook group. We have a Facebook page. We have an Instagram. Uh, we're out here. So check us out. Um, today's guest is Connie Herbal, and I have known Connie personally for like 10 months, nine months maybe. But she has been such a huge blessing to me. And as I was editing the podcast and listening to it, I guess I just got really choked up just to hear her, just to, just to hear how her life has changed and the sincerity and emotion in her voice is just incredible. So I'm just excited for you to hear her story. And uh, I think with that all being said, Let's let's do this thing. Um, buckle up, strap in. Love y'all. Appreciate y'all. Yo, Richard, are you about to do the podcast? Lo 
Well, um, I was um, the number five of six kids, and I don't, I, I can't really pinpoint an exact time, but I just know that there were times that I had connection with God that I knew He was real. Um, I experienced the Holy Spirit. I experienced the Holy Spirit moving in my life, and I, I knew that God was real. But I had so many hang-ups um, from actually having that connection with Him, and I longed for it, and I ached for it, and I searched for it for for all my life, and I didn't know um, until just last year, actually, and I'm 60 years old. Um, I didn't know that I was really totally believing lies and that I was living my life around those lies. And I, I really didn't even know that I didn't know it. And, um, it was really for me uh, to put it in a nutshell, it was just exposing the lies to the light of truth in the Bible and, uh, Bible texts that I have read my whole life. I just didn't really, um, know that they were for me. So, so now I do. Where did the where did the lies, if you can remember, where did the lies kind of start? Well, um, of course, it came from my parents. Uh, came from a church. Um, you know, just the world, just listening, just hearing uh, things uh, like, uh, well, just just one that has been coming to my mind a lot this week is. Um, if you become close to God, then Satan's going to attack you more. And so I remember back when I had young kids, um, people would say that. And I would think, um, well, if I become closer to God, then Satan will attack my children, you know? And so I was so scared. And so it was like, I almost kept God at arm's length, you know, how twisted that is. And, and I keep God at, at arm's length so that I wouldn't be attacked or my children wouldn't be hurt or something. And so that was a, that was one of the crazy things that I believed, which of course Satan is going to, um, you know, get a little bit upset. But, um, but I, I just believe that now I believe that the truth of the matter is that I'm God's child and God is protective of his children. And he, and just the way I am as a mother for my children. And um, so I don't, even think about that anymore. To me, I'm just, I'm nestled in the arms of my heavenly father who adores me and protects me. And I don't even think about that particular misunderstanding. <laughs> so that's one thing. Um, I also believe, I also grew up really hating myself and not really believing that I was enough, uh, that I was, I was, couldn't possibly be loved by the God of the universe. I believed everybody else could, but I was too sinful. So as, so, as a child, your, your parents, you said your parents put, started with the lies and, and, uh, you know, we love our parents and I'm a parent, you're a parent, parents make mistakes. And, but at the same time, if, if we don't understand our identity, those mistakes that they make, 
they turn into who we are, you know, they turn into something that we're, we're living with for a long time. So who did you, as you're growing up, who did you believe that you were? You said you'd believe you were a well, sinner just because you I, committed sin? Oh, yeah. I I actually believed I had committed the unpardonable sin that I was. Um, I would ask Jesus to forgive me, and but I never really believed that he did. I didn't believe that forgiveness was mine. Um, I, I don't know why I believe that I was such an exception, but I've always believed, I mean, from till I was in my twenties, I believed that I was this vile sinner and, um, and that I was just not going to receive God's forgiveness as much as I would ask him to forgive me. Um, and I, I went through years and years of counseling to deal with childhood trauma. And I know that I carried a lot of guilt from that, you know, as children tend to do. And I, I uh, took that on. I took the sin, the, the things that happened to me onto myself. And I carried that guilt and that shame. And um, I didn't even realize it. I didn't realize it. And through years and years, I mean, I went through years and years of counseling that, and I honestly, um, it helped me only because I was l- allowing God to heal me. Um, so, so through counseling, I, I did, I did acknowledge and see some, some, some of the lies and realize that those were not true, but it was not something that was, um, that happened so instant like it did last year for me. So last year I, um, Wait, hold on last year, you get to last I year. exposed, I want to, okay, <laughs> don't, don't go there just quite yet. Cause I want to, how did you know to go to counseling? What was it that you were just like, yeah, this isn't normal because you said by the time you were 20 years old, um, you still believe that you weren't forgiven. And sometimes we don't feel like we're forgiven because the level of sin, like, you know, I could steal some candy from the corner store and God will forgive me. But if I do this sin or that sin, that's not forgivable. Um, was it just the level of your sin that you're just like, nah, this is too much for him? Or was it like your heart? You're just like, I don't know if I really want the forgiveness. What, what kept you, like you said, you felt like you were an exception? What was it that made you feel like you were an exception? Well, um, I had, I mean, it was just really hearing the voices around me, the people that were around me, the people, the significant people in my life, um, made me feel, um, that I was unacceptable. And I also, if people were mad at me in my family or I had done something wrong in the family, I felt like God was on their side always because they would also use God, you know, uh, use Bible text or use, you know, use God to, to expose, you know, to talk about how, what a rotten kid I was. And so, um, that, you know, I just started hating myself from that, but also because of some, um, childhood trauma and Mm -hmm. I was sexually abused 
and I was also verbally and um, also physically abused. And so I began to feel like that, and, and I went from one abuse situation to the other from my, uh, my um, familial uh, mm-hmm. home to um, school teachers and, and stuff like that. And so I think I felt like I was almost like I was marked and that, um, I was, um, I was just a bad person because, you know, it was just like, there was just so many people around me that, um, were abusive to me all the way through high school. And I had, um, high anxiety and I I just basically lived in the state of, self-hatred and self-condemnation and uh just and also you know you you hear things about how christians are supposed to suffer you know that they the suffering is actually good for them and that they actually um that god actually uses our suffering or that he he allows our suffering to bring us closer to him. And so there was that. And, and, you know, the fact that I felt like I shouldn't be happy, I didn't deserve to be happy. And also, um, you know, God is closer to us when we're suffering. So those Mm -hmm. kind of things that were um, instilled in my mind that I was just uh, really seeking happiness and I never knew what it felt like uh, for, until I um, first started, um, exposing some of this stuff at a younger yeah. age. But um, I actually went to Weimar, California, and I had it was experiencing some major depression. And um, there is where it all started because uh, they were able to give me tools to work with, which I didn't have. I didn't have any you know resources. I didn't know how to deal with the emotions that I was having. And so that was the beginning of my healing process. And that was in 1988. So, um, and I was, so I was 28 years old there. So, so when you, when you decided to go to, you went to counseling before Weimar? Is that um, no, not really. Um, but, but my, the depression and anxiety had hit such a, such a level that I was almost debilitated. And so that's when, you know, we were just like, my husband and I were like, we've got to find something. And I didn't know where it was coming from. I didn't know where the depression was coming from. And I do now, of course, but I didn't know why I was depressed and why I was having such anxiety. And so we um, heard a talk from a guy at Weimar and uh, about a girl that had gone there with depression. And so, um, so that's what we decided to do. And it was, it was a very good move. Um, it's just the beginning. So yeah, that's uh, I. That's amazing I how how. Yeah. That's amazing how God gives us something when we need it, and even though you didn't understand a lot of the things, um, in Scripture, He put people in your path on the way. Um, so your your depression was just causing you to just like I, there's you know, there's, we have to do something. And what kind of tools did they give you at Weimar? You said that they were giving you tools to, to help you fight against your depression. What was that like? Um, well, it was, uh, actually tools for, for like, um, you know, how normal people deal with things that come your way, like 
frustrating things that come your way. Um, like especially a, a good diet and exercise and those kind of things. And just, you know, placing yourself in a position where you're not like, uh, laying around all the time and just, you know, giving into depression, but, but, uh, you know, and also learning that God is not, that God does want me to be happy. That was the biggest thing was opening that. And also, um, I was not able at that time to call my father, uh, my God, my heavenly father. And so they encouraged me to find another name for him. So I called him creator. And so when I would refer to God or talk about God, I couldn't call him my father when I talked to him. Hmm. And so, because I was still connected, I didn't realize that I was still so connected with my father and God. And so uh, they helped me with that tremendously. And as as far as tools, um, I was just able to um, use other things for uh, dealing with depression rather than medication um, or just giving into the depression. And so I would uh, exercise a lot, and that really helped a lot. But um, it was really just the opening up of my mind to understanding that my father was not God and God was not my father the biggest step right there hmm. so then um you you see your kids uh seem like they were born a little past 1988 i don't know how old grant and lindy are as you're having kids and you're not wanting to do the same thing that happened to you how did you navigate your children as they were born and you're thinking I don't yeah. I don't want them to be like me or I don't want them to have to deal with this how did you deal with that Well that's a good question because um I knew that I was so depressed that I knew that I wouldn't be able to have children until I had um dealt with that so yeah I had granted 1990 and I was uh I was 30 and while my children were coming into my life, I knew that I, sh that I didn't want to teach them the same kind of misconceptions or lies that I had been taught. And I, I didn't have a lot of resources, but I just, I held on to God and I just said, um, you know, I, I actually studied the things that I was taught actually studied the things that I was, that I was learning at church and things like that. And I studied, there were just an, some beliefs that my family had that were just like really out there. And, um, so I didn't, uh, I didn't want to put on my kids the same kind of beliefs. And so I, as kind of, we went along and as I was teaching them things, I, I was always thinking what is this going to say to them? What is this going to teach them about themselves? And is this biblical? And is this, uh, you know, so I kind of um, floundered around a little while and till I could find the truth of what to give my kids and what not to. So, yeah, it's definitely something you, you think about. And, um, of course, I also did not pass on any abuse to them. And I was always happy for that. And I protected them from anything that 
that came along was very protective. It was like almost super protective, uh, but um, I was just determined that they were not going to experience the things that I did. Did you feel like as you're teaching them about Jesus and you're taking them to Sabbath school and, and I imagine, I know that they went to Sunnydale. I don't know if they went to Adventist elementary school, but did, uh, did you feel like while you're teaching them about this stuff, did you feel like you loved God or that you wanted to love God, but you didn't really know who he was? Um, I, it's kind of, it's kind of sweet to me that the kind of relationship that I had with God is that I, I had this head knowledge. I knew that he loved me. I knew he was there. I knew that he wasn't involved in my life, but for some reason it just, the, the way I felt about myself and my self-condemnation and feeling condemned by other people, it just almost clouded my vision of who he really is. And it just almost, um, just, it was just like, I couldn't really see him. And I remember thinking many times, I remember taking a walk. I worked with young people for a lot, a lot of years, uh, troubled young people. And I remember taking a walk one night and I said to God, I know you love these kids. I tell them that all the time. I know you love them. Why can't I feel your love? And Mm. I, I just, that was, but we, but I, I still talked to him. He was still very real to me. Um, and I, but I, I've, I don't know why, but the only thing I can, you know, can say about that is that there was a, I'm so sorry, my phone. Um, there was a misconnection there somehow along the way. And so I, I didn't know what it was until, um, until I exposed the truth and understood the truth of God and who I am in God. Um, there was, that was a really big game changer for me. So talk to me about that. When did, when did this first revelation come? I don't know if it was, yeah, you said a year ago. How did that start? Yeah, well, it's been a little over a year now. Um, actually this has been the best year of my entire life. I, I, um, somewhere around, uh, Mother's Day last year. Um, but Grant and Lindy had been studying and learning things and sharing some things with me. Um, I noticed a difference in Grant. He's always been, um, so laid back and such a good person and, and everything. But he told me something that really hit me. And he said, he said, you know, uh, the Bible's just really come alive for me. Because I told him basically that I really don't get anything out of the Bible. And he said, it's really come alive for me. And it's, and you know, I just really enjoy reading it. And I was so happy to hear that. And so little by little, he started sharing things with me. And then he was sharing things with Lindy. And we were listening to sermons. And um, we were listening to, um, I know I'm going to say it wrong. <laughs> it was jo- Jonathan Leonardo. Um, some, some of the sermons from him and I was listening to those things and my whole heart was being drawn to this and I, it was just so unsettling to me and I didn't understand why. 
And so we would put the sermons on, I would leave the room and I would go, you know, and there they, Lindy would like, mom, are you going to come listen? And I said, oh, I'm listening. And I would be in the other room doing the dishes and stuff. And so I almost had to listen on the periphery because it was just almost too much for me. And finally, and I didn't understand why, because I could definitely see that, you know, something was happening here and it was so exciting. It was like I was running from it and running to it or being drawn to it so strongly, like just so strongly. And so a few days went by, um, what was uh, we'd he saying? To a few of the sermons. What was he saying that made you so, so unsettled that you had to to listen the room over? <laughs> well, he was talking about the prodigal son, and he was talking about God's love and and that kind of thing, especially about how much God loves us, and you know, and he was helping uh, unpack the story of the prodigal son, and I thought, you know, I. I don't know. It was just, it was so much more the spirit than it was even the words, but I knew the words were truth. So I, um, one day, uh, we'd been listening for a while and my husband was really into it and really listening and Lindy and, and, um, so I was uh, driving down the road and all of a sudden I just called Grant and I just started crying. And I said, Grant, um, I just want to, I just want to tell you this, and this was hard for me to say, but I said, the thing is that this stuff is great and I love it. And I know it's good stuff. I said, but it is not for me. It's not for me because I have so much hate in my heart and so much anger in my heart for the people that have hurt me. And I have tried and tried to get rid of that hate. I have done everything I can do. I have asked God, I begged God, but I also didn't want to, I didn't want, there was a part of me that didn't want to let go of it because I felt like the hate kept me protected, which was also a uh, false, you know, it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I lived like that. I was just like, this is my wall because I've been hurt so much throughout my life and I, and people continued to hurt me and I just, I thought that if I forgave them and let go of that, then that meant that they get to hurt me over and over again, because that's what I have always believed about forgiveness, that you basically just lay down and let them do whatever. And so um, I, I tried it and tried it and tried it, and I could not forgive. And I realized now, of course, I know now that it was because I was doing it myself, and it is really pretty much impossible to do on your own. It's not something you do. It's something that God does for you. And um, what a relief what that Grant was say? to find out. And what, did, what did Grant say when you told him that it wasn't for you because you couldn't forgive? Yeah. Um, Grant was so patient and so gentle. He he didn't, I thought that he was going to go, Mom, you know, you're, you're way off there or something, you know, kind of scold me a little, but uh, he was so gentle. He's like, I can understand how you feel that way. I, I can understand why you feel that way. And that meant so much to me. He was just so gentle about it. And because it was really hard for me to, to, to expose my ugly feelings to my son. And I, and so he just said, um, basically he said, let's, uh, let's, when you come up, we were getting ready to go up to Lincoln to where he lives. And, um, 
He said, let's talk about it when you come. And how would you like to talk to Tyler and Morgan when you come up? And my third, first thought was these young people, you know, they, I mean, these are young people. I, I don't know, you know, how much they would know about all the suffering and things like that. And I laugh about that because uh, I was very wrong. So, um, so we went to Lincoln. Um, and before I met with Tyler and Morgan, I wrote down a, a basically um, like an essay of how I feel about myself and how I feel God feels about me. And it, and I really made it as, you know, it was very sincere. It was really exactly how I felt about myself and, and what I had been taught about myself and, and how I felt, you know, that I, I just hated people, these certain people that I just could not forgive. And I expected that Morgan and Tyler would go through that list piece by piece. And I expected that they would say, well, this right here is wrong. And this right here is, you know, I don't know. I was just kind of expecting them to look at the list and kind of help me deal with it because that's what I've always, you know, in counseling, that's what we do. And so all the years and years of counseling um, didn't help me nearly as, I mean, didn't help me nearly as much or as quickly as this two minutes with Tyler and Morgan. And honestly, we didn't even look at the list. And I had Grant behind me, my husband beside me, Sarah and Lindy in the living room. And I didn't realize that they had all been praying for me and praying that I would get this. And um, I fully did not expect what happened. I didn't expect it at all. So Tyler had me read Romans in Romans 1. Um, and he had me change it to... Um, to where we said the uh, they or them or whatever to mm -hmm. say Connie or mm -hmm. me. And mm -hmm. I started reading it and the Holy Spirit was there. I know now that there was no, no way that this could have happened except by the spirit. And I started reading it and I could hardly read. It was really hard for me to read it because I was coming against the lies with the truth at that moment, the biblical mm -hmm. truth of who I was and what my identity was. And, and I, I, it was like almost a struggle, but then at, at this one point, it became so clear to me that this is truth. This is truth. And I looked up at Tyler and I said, is this true? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, of course, it's the truth. It's the Bible. And I do believe the Bible. But it was just, is this true about me? And he, he smiled and he said, yes. And I knew that the words that were coming from him, he was, his mouth was moving, but these words were from God. And it was almost as if the whole room disappeared and it was just God and I. And, and God was saying, this is how I feel about you. Not that list. And not that piece of paper. It's, this is how I feel about you. And it, so I decided at that moment, I wanted to throw that piece of paper away, never even look at it again. And so, um, 
I said, I wish I could burn it. And so um, we went over to Grant and Sarah's sink and and uh, burned it in the sink. It was pretty cool. And it was gone. And honestly, I can't remember what was on it. I really can't. And it was things that I had rehearsed over and over and over and over in my head. Thing, I mean, things that went through my head every day of my life. All these false beliefs about myself were just there, just just constantly roaming around in my head. And then they were gone. And it wasn't a long process, and it wasn't years and years of counseling. It was an instant healing by the Holy Spirit. And since then, I have learned so much. Since then, I've grown so much. I mean, my connection and my joy and my freedom, and it's indescribable. I just really are not words for it. The, the, the verse that he had you read, I'm guessing, if I know Tyler, it was probably Ephesians 1, 3 through 6, where it's... Uh, that's right. Yes, given, that's right. Given every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, and he chose you and him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him. That's right. Um, yes. Yeah. At this point, this was the first time you had ever read that verse and believed it was true about you. Yes. And God. I believe. I mean, I've read it you. many times. Yes. But your experience was saying. It came home else. to my heart. Yes. Wow. But it just didn't even matter anymore. Nothing after that moment, nothing mattered. Nothing else mattered. And I realized that so then, I've, at that moment I forgave. So then what happened after that? You come home and you're just, you believe this thing. So how did things start changing? This list is in, the, it, it's on fire. It's not about you anymore. What started happening in just the way you started thinking about things and operating? Well, the very next day, my husband said, how do you feel today? Because, you know, I was changed. And he said, how do you feel? I said, "It's honestly, it's not a feeling. It's a state of being. It just is. I am a child of God. I'm loved. I'm beautiful. I'm perfect. And I felt all those. I mean, I should say, shouldn't say it wasn't even a feeling. It was just I knew those things. I knew them with my whole, with my soul. And... Um, so yeah, it was, uh, something that I definitely was going, just kind of walking around, just enjoying the freedom from all of those, the voices or the, the, the constant running around of my sins in my head and everything. Um, so yeah, for a while it was just basking in it and enjoying it, <laughs> the new, the new freedom, the new the new me, it was, uh, my life didn't change that much because I've always had a form of holiness or a form of re religious life, you know. Um, so it's like my physical life didn't change, but everything about it was different because my head was different. My heart was different. And I could not wait to share it with people. Um, so that's why in October I had to, 
it was hard for me to wait until October, but I wanted to share this with all of my friends and everybody. And I wanted to invite the whole, you know, basically everybody I knew, which is a lot of people. And I wanted to invite the whole world and um, come to my house and hear this, you know, uh, like the woman at the well, come and come and experience what I have experienced. It's so exciting. And um, so God said to me, because he knows me and, um, he said, just, you know, start small. <laughs> so uh, I only <laughs> invited like 40 people. And uh, <laughs> so but we had a wonderful weekend. <laughs> and uh, it was it was just such a wonderful weekend. And, oh, the Holy Spirit and, you know, hearts were being changed. And it's it's um, it's like something that has been there all along, right under my nose. And. Um, if, you know, just somebody asked me not long ago, what made the change? What exactly happened? What was the change? Cause they know that there's a change in me. And I, I said, I just have to say that it was exposing the lies to the light of truth, the darkness of the lies to the light of truth. And once you, once you see that this is really true about you, your identity, and how much loved you are when you know that you're loved by the God of the universe beyond measure. There's so much freedom in that because you can rest and let him, let him take care of things. You don't have the stress in your life. And, um, you, you know, sometimes I start to get stressed now because of soul habits, you know, oh no, what's going to happen and how am I going to handle this? And, and then it was just like, whoa, whoa, hold on. This isn't your job. This isn't your struggle. And I relax and God takes care of it. And he does take care of it even better than I would have. So those are things, you know, I've had to learn to undo some of the habits from a lifetime. Um, but I hear people saying things now that, that I used to believe. And I understand now where the beliefs came from. And I hear people saying those things. And, and I just, I think that's, that's what I used to believe. That's where I used to be. And so I know that they, these people just don't know that, you know, how much Jesus loves you. And mm. because um, some of those things are just like an attack on God's character without even realizing it. It's like, why would God allow that? Or why would God do that? And so I have come to know God's character through the Bible and I've come to to know who he really was all my life, that he really was there for me. He was really so involved in my life and calling me and mm. and helping me through these things. And so it's been like not just uh, present revelations and present uh, freedom and all of that, but, but looking back and seeing God through a new lens of how he was throughout my whole life and how he was there for me and how he loved me when I didn't even know it. And so the gratitude that comes from my heart has just been just, there just aren't human words for it. Wow. When, when I think about that weekend at your, at the, the bonfire and I was uh, thinking, you know, I think this is one of the first times that my wife and I went out to, to do kind of ministry. And 
uh, Eddie is telling his story, and then I think I told my part of the story a little bit. And then that afternoon was the first chance that my wife really got to tell her story. And seeing her tell her story was incredible for me because it had been, yeah. So she starts telling her story and there were specific people that had been there that morning that couldn't come back in the afternoon. And since then we've been able to connect with them so that they can see their, who they really are. But there was a gentleman sitting there and I thought he was angry as he was listening to my wife's story because he looked so intense. And the whole time we found out afterwards that he was sitting there thinking, is this about me? Is this about me? Uh-huh. And like her story is, is my, my story. And afterwards she was able to minister to him and he's been walking in freedom, I think since that day. And then you spoke after, after Natalie and you were sitting right where you're sitting right now. And you started telling this, your story and you didn't, you didn't unpack it like you're unpacking it now, but there were, I think friends that you'd had that that you'd been friends with for years that they didn't truly understand what had happened in your life. And they're looking at you wide eyed, like, wow, is this, is this real? And, uh, it was just a big moment. Um, it was a big, I think for everybody. And just to see how God had brought us all together that weekend was just a beautiful, a beautiful thing to say, Hey, I, I love you. And I want you guys to just sit and talk about this together. And, um, so that was, that was an amazing, amazing time. I remember Natalie and I just driving home, just being like, wow, that was crazy. Like, we want to do that more. Like we want to talk to more people about this thing. So that, like I said, that was a little over or a little less than a year ago. And you're saying that you have been unlearning old habits. Um, you've been unlearning fear. You've been unlearning anxiety as you're, and it's not tools to get rid of fear and tools to get rid of anxiety. It's, the truth is you've been perfectly loved and perfect love casts out all fear. So you're just thinking about being perfectly loved and, and that does the trick. Um, but as you're walking this thing out, what else, as we're wrapping this thing up, what, what, what else have you learned that you wish you could grab old Connie and just say, Connie, this is, this is true about you. This other thing, not true. It can't be if this thing is true. Yeah, I could go on and on. And sometimes I do. Uh, we have company and they're going to hear <laughs> when, uh, when I get a chance to talk to Grant and uh, he just, he just shakes his head in amazement that how different, cause I'll say I used to feel like this or I used to do this. And he knows cause he was there and, um, it's just, I don't know. It's like, uh, knowing that God's going to take care of it and knowing that God is, is, uh, protective. Whereas I used to just feel like that I had to protect myself 
and I, I had to, uh, you know, just, I don't know. I just felt so vulnerable and, uh, afraid. And now I feel this wonderful peace of knowing that I have a heavenly father who is protective, uh, fiercely protective of me. And then also for, for instance, uh, the whole area of money, um, I, I, feel when God calls me before, when I felt like God wanted me to do something, then I would be, okay, I got it. Thank you. And then I would go about figuring out how to do it myself. These are just little things, but there's like on a daily basis, there's just on a daily basis, everything, every minute I see, wow, I used to have to think about the money. I used to think, well, I got to go out and raise money. I got to go figure it out. If you want me to do this, I've got to figure the money thing out. And then I, oh no, my father owns all of the money in the universe and he is, he's going to take care of this. So I go about my life and I don't have money worries. I don't have stress worries. I don't, I, I don't worry about my children. And in fact, I, I just think the, I guess the biggest thing for me is the, the way of my prayers are different now. <laughs> That's I I used to be a, a hand wringing, worrying, begging God, oh please, oh dear God, please, oh please. And now instead of even asking him for something, I thank him for it. And there are times when I'm I want something. You know, and I say, Father, I, I just want this. I don't need it, but I want it. Could I have it? And and if you think that I shouldn't, that, that's that's okay. And it's such such a peaceful knowing that He loves to give me good gifts, and that He's that if I ask Him for something, His heart is is so desirous to give me those good things. And so it's just a, the little tiny things in life that have been so exciting. And all day long, all day long, you'll hear me under my breath saying, "Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The car started. Thank you, Jesus." that um, I found this thing I was looking for. It's just always under my breath. Thank you, Jesus, because I see his blessings in everything. I know that he was always blessing me before um, because he doesn't stop. He doesn't just start being good once you finally get it. He was good all along. And so I, I'm just acknowledging it now and in, in acknowledging it and seeing his hand in everything. Um just makes me love him even more, makes me realize his love for me even more because he cares so much about the little things. And, and, uh, and everything that upsets me upsets him and I can go to him. And sometimes at night, just as I'm going to sleep, I know he's with me. I know he's, he's there, his arms around me. Those are the kind of things that are so precious that it's uh, just indescribable in human words. So my life is you, pretty sweet, let me tell you. Did you ever think life could be like this or that that a relationship with God could actually be like this? Well, I wanted it. I hungered for it. I hungered for it my whole life. And I wanted it so much. And I've, you know, I read Ellen White says that you can be so close to Jesus that even your impulses are acting out his will. And I remember thinking, man, I'm, I'm an impulsive person. <laughs> you know, wouldn't that be awesome to know that I'm just, I'm just, he's just in me. He's, he's doing it all and that I can just relax knowing that he's in charge. He's at the wheel. And, 
and uh, this the sweet, precious connection that we have. I have, yes, I have just dreamed of it, but not ever thinking that it could happen to me. And I, but but he and I had this connection all my life we have, and yet it wasn't anything like this. And I, because I understand him now, I know him now, and he knows me. That's the other thing I love. He knows Connie. He knows all my weird habits or my weird sense of humor. He knows everything about me and still loves me, loves me, adores me. And there's just something about that that just makes an everyday life so precious. You know, I just imagine somebody listening to this uh, podcast and I feel like my face is hurting because I'm smiling so much just listening to <laughs> to you to you say this, and it, it's very simple, in my opinion. You you just sound like you're you're a really loved person, like he's really really yes I am loved you, and that <laughs> that has changed the world for you. Uh, la- last question, and I don't know. If you could go back to Connie, you know, who's young and married and wants to have kids but doesn't know how to get over her depression, if you could go back in time and and sit down and, and talk to her for a few minutes, what would you start with? What would you tell her? I've thought about that. And I think the the most important thing I would say was that it, it was not your fault and that God is not in this. What happened to you? God was very, uh, one of the things that have, that has uh, helped me understand or to receive God's love was that he, ha- when bad things happened to me as a child, he was angry. He mm-hmm. was not in it at all. He was angry. He was, he was not in it um, because I, the pre, people that did things to me were Christians and people that, that were supposed to, to know God. And so for some reason I got it all tangled up in my head that God had something to do with it or he didn't care. And now I know that that was not true, that he was angry and that it wasn't my fault that I did nothing wrong, that I wasn't a sinner. I was just, and I was just, uh, misunder, I was misunderstanding things and believing lies. And so that's what I would say. You are precious, beautiful child of God, and you have not done anything wrong. You are, um, you are, it is not your fault. It was not your fault. You do not have to carry this guilt. And, that would have taken a huge load off of me because the guilt was very strong guilt and shame and that's all gone. And I would love Mm -hmm. to, yeah, say that (laughs) my, you know, um, because I think that would have freed me up to being more, um, with my children to be more present with my children because it really does suck the life out of you. It really does pull you down and, takes joy, steals joy. When you hate yourself and you feel like a sinner and you feel like that it's all your fault and you carry all this guilt and shame and 
and condemnation. It it's really does pull energy from you physically and emotionally and spiritually. So, yeah, that's what I would have said. Well, Connie, thank you so much for telling your story. I don't feel like <laughs> I don't feel like it's something hard to do. I feel like you just it's coming out of you. You just want everybody to know. And so I'm just grateful that you're able to tell me the story. And I just want to encourage you like I've said like I said earlier, you're a testimony to me and my wife and my family when I told my wife I was going to to hear your story. She was like, "Oh, I'm so excited." Um, I, I'm, and she, she just, we just hear your story and we see your life and you're a city on a hill. Your good works are glorifying your father and you're the salt of the earth. You're flavoring this thing. And, um, if they don't know you, it's because they don't know your father, but you are a beautiful representation of him and you are just an image bearer of him. I see, I see it. And so I just want to say thank you and appreciate you. And, um, I I love you. Yes. I love you, Richard. Can't stop till we make it to the moon 
It's too late, can stop it, it's a boom No, I can't, I wait till you approve I got people with me on the other side Spirit on me too bright, I see they tryna ride Coming out for the night, yeah, this that come alive Coming out for the fight, yeah, we stay alive We stay alive, ayy